welcome to episode number 14 of the Film School for Marketers podcast. My name is Mariah, joined by, you know, this guy, Zach. So today we're talking about something pretty cool, uh, which is the do's and don'ts of video for your website. So whether you have a super awesome website right now and you're getting started with video and you're trying to figure out how to incorporate some of that video into your site or you're doing a website redesign and wanting to get started with video and figure out how that's all incorporated into your overall strategy. We've got some awesome tips for you today and things that you should really keep in mind um, for the marriage between video and your website. The first thing I want to talk about is, is there a thing is too much video, Zach? Like, what do you recommend in terms of how many videos to have like per page? You know, what should people start to think about? Yeah. Somebody actually recently asked me if it was possible to have too much video or do you think it, uh, we're going to get it to the point where companies have too much video? And I think it's a really unique thought. I, I personally don't know that that's something to be concerned about right now. Most companies aren't even coming close to having the video that they need, let alone having too many. So, you know, if you're looking at your website and you're going, well, we need to incorporate video into this, whether it's your existing website or redesign, the best first thing to do is to look at your major product service pages mm-hmm. and your anywhere where you're converting leads. If folks are on your service product service pages, then they're very close to making a decision. Those are some of the most highly trafficked decision stage pieces of content you've got on your website. And so usually you're going to want to start with those, which we have. We, have, we did a full episode about service and product page videos and what those should include. Mm-hmm. That's where I would start. And then any pages that are really uh, monumental in converting leads. So all of your landing pages, like the contact us page, any sort of offers that you have, uh, things like that. And then I would say as a third priority, just allowing people to get to know you and your team and having bio videos and stuff like that. I think those three would be the most important, uh, considering we're just speaking about the website, not necessarily about sales specifically. So not every single page needs a video. I think many pages should have a video, but they don't all need one. Uh, it just really depends on what your website is doing and who you're serving. Mm-hmm. So a kind of a question that stems off of that, because I've gotten this a couple times. Um, in terms of deciding like what your video approach is, like some people are like, should I do more of like an animation type of video for maybe like my product or service? Or should I do a video that actually has people in it? Like what advice do you give about what direction to go in? This is a really interesting question. And I find there's actually a lot of people who are really, really attached to animations. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure where that comes from. But they're, they both serve a purpose. I believe that you know, the, most, the most popular type of animated video is the animated explainer. Yeah. So I believe a great animated explainer can be really beneficial if you have a difficult concept that you're trying to explain. So maybe it's a piece of software that doesn't really have anything like camera worthy that you'd be able to show, Mm -hmm. well, then that should probably be something animated. Or if you're showing some sort of, maybe it's a manufacturing process or some sort of mathematical equation or or some sort of concept or process that is best explained with an animation, then I would say go for it because that's that's really a great fit. The only other fit like in person would be the whiteboard explainer, which is where Mm -hmm. you have somebody literally walking you through you know, some sort of concept on a whiteboard. Both are, both are fine. I think that animations are a little uh, pricey for what you yeah. get. So I would err on the side of going for human version. Not to mention, 
you know, video and the way that we see it as this great sales tool is a trust builder. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that trust from seeing some stick figure doing something uh, (laughs) in an animation. Uh, You can only see and like understand mannerisms and tone and things like that from a person. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you've got a product or a service that has things that are difficult to explain sometimes and would be best shown with graphics, then animated explainers are great. Otherwise, most of the organizations that I have worked with personally, 99% of the content is with real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So finding that balance, because I, I like what you said about if, it, if there's some complexities and it's easier to kind of visualize it in an animation form. But I mean, I'm even thinking about you can do that on some of maybe your product service pages. And then um, in terms of like your landing pages, so your contact us forms, your guides or whatever you're doing, like that's your a perfect opportunity where you can use a, a person. You don't have to have animation or anything like that. Speaking of videos on your site and using them, um, I know this has come up before and I'm actually always curious about this. Um, how does video affect like the load time and the speed of your site? Because that obviously impacts SEO and people's user experience. So what's kind of the tips that you give people of how to stay aware of that? A common misconception is that a video that is embedded on a website page is going to slow down that that, that page loading time. It's actually not the case. And in, in, in most cases, that's not what happens. The video host is what's actually hosting the video and it's what's loading the embed independently of loading the page. And so it actually is not going to make the page load any slower or show uh, Google that it's a slow page. What will slow it down is if you have, you know, a lot of people still have sliders and, um, yeah. you know, large uh, banners on their home pages or on some pages around the website that have some sort of video that is looping in the background. And so it's loading at the same time as loading the page and that's what slows it down. Any of the major video hosts that you might be using, YouTube, Vimeo, uh, Wistia, Vidyard, all of those players are going to be loading independent of the page itself. So it shouldn't slow anything down, which is why it's important to consider where you're going to host these videos. Sometimes folks will want to go the cheap route and they'll just be like, well, we don't, we don't need a video host. We don't even need a Vimeo account. We can install some WordPress plugin that we just pop videos in and it'll, it'll have a player there. Yeah, it will, but it doesn't have, yeah. And I've never claimed to be like a coder or a developer, so I don't know all the things that are happening, but these video hosts have a lot of technology that makes the, the video file lightweight and load faster. And it's loading it on their servers versus your server where your website is hosted. And so if you're hosting it on your website independently on your servers, then it has to load it. Once again, it's going to slow the page down. So it's not necessarily a huge concern if you're using a video host uh, as far as it affecting page speed or load time or anything like that. Awesome. That's really good to know. I think that's a common misconception. Um, So speaking of hosting videos, uh, let's name off some, some video hosting platforms that people could consider. I know you actually just named off some of them, but like, what would you recommend people check out for a place to host them? There's so, so many video hosts out there. So when you're looking at a hosting solution for an SMB, small and medium-sized business, there's really only about five big names right now that you would consider. Uh, The two free ones being YouTube and Vimeo, the uh, paid ones being 23, uh, Vidyard, and Wistia. 
And between those five, you're going to find very different solutions depending on what you're doing. That said, there's inherent benefits like we've talked about many times on this podcast about hosting videos on YouTube or at least publishing your videos on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then you can either choose to embed them on the website or you can do even better, which is to have a paid video host, which is going to make a lot more sense for lead gen and tracking for sales and tracking for attribution uh, to have something like that. Now, let's say you're in the middle of a redesign or you're designing a new page for your website and you have some really lofty goals. Like you want to have a video that's embedded on there that has some crazy interactivity, functionality, something like choose your own adventure type of experience. You're only going to get that with a paid video host. And like I said, the, the functions and features of, the, of, of them are different. If you're an enterprise level company, if you can spend a lot of money, you know, uh, Brightcove, which is the one that comes to mind, the stuff that they can do with their players is pretty fantastic. VDR can do some pretty great stuff as well. Um, so if you're thinking about that in terms of how that video is going to be uh, interactive on that certain page, then you definitely need to consider where, what your host is and what you're actually able to do with that host. It's so important because at the end of the day, like these videos should be a lead generator for you. Um, as people are going through the conversion path on the site and they're doing their research and they're checking out your videos, like you shouldn't just rely on a form on your site or a chatbot on your site to get somebody to interact with you. Like as people are watching these videos and they're intrigued and they're interested, having some functionality there that can then have a CTA or the choose your own adventure, like you had said, something that's going to lead them to actually converting is so important. With videos on your site, do you recommend that there's captions on the videos? Because, you know, it comes to mind, like what if somebody's searching or surfing uh, your website and they're in a place where they don't want to play the video because they don't have headphones or they're in an office, like whatever situation it might be, but they're curious what the video is all about. Someone might skip over it if there's not captions. Like what, what's your take on that? Usually it's not a primary consideration because many of these hosts automatically caption. Mm the videos that are uploaded to them. So that makes it accessible for, for hearing impaired individuals who have to be able to read it. When you ask this question to different people, is it important if you have captions or not, people are going to give you radically different answers. But uh, given that we're, we need to tailor the video experience to whomever might be trying to access that, I would say absolutely have a captions file, whether it's automatic or whether you add it uh, to any video you ever put anywhere, but especially on your website, because you know, let's say you're relying on that video to communicate a very key value proposition or, or some key piece of information. If that user is not able to consume it because they can't listen to it or because the audio is not working or whatever the case might be, then you're missing out on an opportunity. So uh, I would say absolutely do whatever you can to make it accessible to everybody. I think, I think people forget that that is very important <laughs> when doing a website redesign or even revisiting your site and making sure that it's accessible. Uh, we do something called a website throwdown um, once a month where we have two of our team members who are these website strategy gurus and then usually a guest panelist who throw down sites that people submit. Um, and last month, we had somebody who was from um, a company that focuses on accessibility of websites. And some of the things he was pointing out, it's like, wow, I didn't even think about that. Um, so yeah, such an important piece I think people don't even think about. You know, people are investing money in doing video, whether we talked about you're in the middle of a website redesign or you're just trying to add some video content to your site. 
So if you don't have someone in-house who is producing content for you on a regular basis and you do have to outsource and pay for it, what are evergreen types of content that people should think about so that they don't have to constantly go back and forth with adding new video every time something changes? I just think about service and products probably changing pretty frequently. So like, how do you ensure that maybe you have some pieces on your website that are, are pretty evergreen? This is a tricky subject for me because I have a certain way that I feel about this personally. It's just a personal bias of mine. But if you're really feeling like, you know, we're just going to outsource this to get these three videos made and then we're going to roll with them for two years. If you're really feeling that way, that's what you have to do. Then the evergreen pieces would be things like your landing pages because they probably won't change. You contact us page. Probably not going to change. It's going to be the same thing. Probably the same thing happens every time somebody fills out that form. Uh, if you have a certain philosophy about the way you do business or a way to describe your product or service that's going to be true for the next two years, then, then those should be evergreen pieces of content. Uh, that said, I'll bring my personal bias into this. I don't believe that you should be using videos for two years. I really believe that that and it's not just a matter of believing it. It's just from what I've seen from companies that are really doing well and generating lots of revenue with video, the, the video content is living and breathing and changing just as much as a, a website is living and breathing and changing. The growth-driven design approach that Luke Summerfield and the folks at HubSpot have developed for web design essentially says that you know the, the website should constantly be changing and the problem is when you set out to make a website that's really feature heavy and is everything you want it to be, and it takes you a year to design it, by the time you get it finished and published after that year, a lot of things now have changed and now you have to, to start the project all over again. The growth-driven design approach says, well, you stand up something that is going to serve its purpose and serve all the needs, and then you're constantly adding and refining and it's a constant process. It's a it's a, a circular process, always being refined and changed. I think video is the same way. If you are especially just starting with video, I, I can almost guarantee you that six months from now, when you look back on that video, you go, I know exactly how I can make that better. But right now, you're not going to know how to make it better because you don't have any videos yet. You're, not gonna, you're probably not going to nail it on the first time. Even, this is going to be controversial, but even if you go to a production company and you know they make it just, it looks amazing. It's like the perfect thing ever. There's things that are likely going to change. You know, we want to change the way we talk about that, or we want to, we want to change this. And so, um, I think, so, uh, you know, there is some evergreen content that if you are just looking to get some video up on the website, you could do it. But we all as organizations need to figure out as part of our video culture, how often does stuff need to be updated and how are we going to get the resources in line to update it all the time, which is why we've talk so much about insourcing video content, but I'll get off my soapbox about that. It's something me, I'm passionate. Let me get back on your soapbox. <laughs> let me join you on your soapbox. Um, I mean, think about it. It's, we talk about this, you write about this, the importance of having like a videographer on staff, just like a content manager on staff. It's like saying that the content that somebody writes for your company might just have to sit there and stay the same for a while, even if things change. Um, and even if it's not actually converting anything, <laughs> like the whole point of you investing in something like this is to constantly engage and test and see how things work and 
like you said, it's just like a website. It's a living, breathing thing. It has to change. So that's why it's so important to have somebody in-house and the money that you save over time, essentially, because if you're having to continuously work with an outsourced video production company, think of all that money you could save if you invested that internally into something that's just going to have to... It's there. Like You have to get with it and it's going to have to change and move and grow. So There's so many more analogies that I could use. I could just keep going <laughs> on this, but let's move on. Okay. Um, so actually kind of to piggyback off of that last thing, I'm sure companies ask you this quite frequently. Um, if they are producing video and they have team members who are in those videos that then leave and move on and go different, do different things. Is it okay to still have those videos on your site with old employees? Does it matter? This is an important question. A good thing to talk about. First of all, before you start your video journey, you should really consider adding something into your employment contracts that say that content that's produced for the organization is the property of the organization, regardless of who's, who is in the video, who, who writes the article, who, who does whatever, because they're gainfully employed at the time. And so that content technically should belong to the organization. Uh, and obviously, you know, have an attorney uh, advise you on exactly how you should say that because <laughs> I'm not an attorney. But you want to protect yourself against somebody leaving and saying, well, you have to take that video down uh, or you have to take that article down or, or whatever. So once you've covered that base, sometimes, and for years now, companies use actors in their videos and they don't actually work at the company. And there's a very good chance that people might call up and say, hey, I want to talk to so-and-so. And what, what, what do those companies do then? Well, that person doesn't work here or I've got somebody better you can talk to or something like that, right? So I think if you look at the uh, drawbacks of having people in videos who don't necessarily work there anymore can be pretty easily mitigated. That said, you might have an opportunity to really improve stuff after somebody leaves. And so you don't have to deal with those drawbacks at all. I don't see there necessarily being any sort of big glaring issue with having people in videos that don't work there anymore, unless they're saying, you know, hi, I'm Tom, the sales manager, and you're going to be working directly with me. Right. Or the CEO or something, <laughs> like something very large like that. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a common question. I would say, use your best judgment. This is just, video is just a communication tool. If you feel like you can communicate in a different way with a better, with a, a different person or a better way of saying it, then go for it. Speaking of video as a communication tool, um, I'm curious your thoughts on, is there a time and place for a go video from like video or like a one-to-one video? Is there a time and place for that versus a more produced video? No. Yeah, of course there is. That <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, allowed. So what you're really comparing is quality. Mm-hmm. That's really the only difference between the two. Um, videos that are recorded with your webcam are obviously not going to be the same quality as that of a professional camera with professional glass on it. Like that's, you know, we all understand that. Uh, and then the quality of the audio and the mics that you have on your laptop or in your headphones or whatever aren't going to be usually as good as professional audio equipment. So I think that if we're comparing quality of video, I actually think that Go Video and coupled with the technology of webcams, depending on the you know, type of laptop you have, type of webcam you have, is not bad. I think that quality is fine in many, many, many cases. The audio, though, is usually not fine. 
And so that is where I wouldn't advise many of my clients to do it with GoVideo because the audio is terrible. Because we, we all as viewers have this tolerance for, for video quality where it can be crappy. Like we watch cell phone videos all the time. Of course, cell phone videos are looking better every day, but we watch those all the time. No problem at all. We can still see what we need to see. But when audio is difficult, that's something we really don't have a high tolerance for. And so that's really what I would consider if you're, if you're thinking go video, webcam stuff is the way you want to go, then invest in some higher quality mics to use while you're recording those. You should be good to go. Uh, on the produce side, I, I just, I mean, there's so many upsides to, to the produce stuff. I don't think there's any argument that that clearly looks better, but if your resources are, are, if it's going to be easier to produce go video and it's going to be faster and it's going to get you what you need, then go that route. It's totally fine. Yeah. Which is totally kind of what I was getting at is that for those people out there that say, well, we just don't have the money right now or the resources, we can't do it. It's like, there's ways you can get scrappy and creative and just get something going. So you have it. And I love that little tidbit about, um, think about the audio first and that really can make a world of a difference. Yeah. And it totally depends on the brands. If I'm looking for a personal accountant and I get on their website and they've got go videos up there, First of all, I'm going to be like, holy smokes, this person has video on their website. It's awesome. I'm definitely going to work with them. Uh, but I'm also not going to care if it, it, it was professional or not. That really has no bearing on me judging them as an organization. Now, if I went to, oh, I don't know, Dick's Sporting Goods website and like they're showing off their products with a webcam, I'm kind of going to be a little judgy about that because clearly they could do better. Mm-hmm. So it just depends. We're all, we're all smart as consumers. And you know, this next, just like we talked about this Gen Z, this next wave of consumers that are coming up, it, you know, we're smart. We understand things. We understand quality of production and stuff like that. I don't think we're as judgy as people might think. There's probably a lot more we could talk about with websites and video, but I think this provides a really good basis for whatever stage you're at do's and don'ts, what you can do now, what you should plan for. If you are also in the market for a website redesign and you kind of want to see where you're at with all of your marketing and sales, with just your very status of inbound, we highly encourage you to check out our new inbound success scorecard. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing resource. We've worked very, very hard on it here at Impact. And here's what the inbound success scorecard is. You're going to go through, you're going to answer a series of questions about your current status of sales and marketing, what the culture is like, the type of content you're producing, what your website is like, what that experience is like. And it's going to spit you out some suggestions of things that you might start to work on. And we're not just going to leave you there. We're going to give you a series of playbooks that you can follow to improve those various things that we might suggest. It's an extremely, extremely valuable resource. We'll we'll drop in the show notes for you. Uh, If you don't find the show notes, just go to impactbnd.com and you'll see the inbound success scorecard on the left-hand side. Click that, take it, score your company, figure out where you're at. It's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. And one more additional resource. I know we gave, gave some two, like two bonus things last week. We'll give you two this week as well. Um, hey, we do our website throwdown every month and you should submit your site. 
It's a really, it's free strategic advice. These are people who are killer when it comes to website strategy. The guests that we have are incredible. Um, we have somebody from Drift coming uh, for the month of June. So I will also provide the link to submit your site um, for the throwdown if you're interested. Yeah, throw it down, score it out. We <laughs> hope that this is really valuable. You learned some new stuff about hosting video on your website. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at ImpactFSM. Thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. And until we see or hear from you next time, keep learning. Keep learning.